Hello again, this is the way of human cognition. Given how the moving finger writes, then having writ moves on, in other words, we can't go back, just forward. Well, data from a recent European conference of clinical microbiology and infectious diseases, presented by leading teams, informs us that there was a, a positive message regarding COVID vaccination. The headline being COVID vaccination from December 2020 onwards saved is estimated over a million lives, whilst two million were lost in the European region alone to COVID during this time. 96% of lives saved were over age 60, the first jab apparently being the most effective. So hopefully it was worth all the effort. As we move into an era of living with COVID, it did feel initially slightly odd, but now it's just another virus to be sniffed and coughed about, and then it leaves you its latest host. Please, though, just keep in mind all those who remain clinically very vulnerable on chemotherapy, high-dose steroids, immunosuppressed, unvaccinated for all kinds of reasons. There's a whole host of reasons why you could still develop severe COVID disease if picking it up. And there were lots of people still on the island I see all the time who have never actually had a bout of COVID, or at least tested positive. I see the welcome headline in the news recently concerning UK diabetes figures reaching 5 million. Back in the mid-90s, I think it was nearly 2 million. So that's a huge rise. Worldwide, there have been some standard countries, <laughs> really standard countries, namely China, followed by India, both in terms of numbers and prevalence of diabetes, which really have zoomed in recent times. We've all seen the gradual morphing of our young patients over the years, though, into those who cross the diagnostic threshold for diabetes now. It's not great, really. Typically, type 2 diabetes in style is initially not needing insulin, in other words. Several factors may also be in play here, but they are mainly lifestyle-related in terms of, uh, well, the well-established ones. Weight gain diet, exercise, or rather lack of, family history, nature or nurture, a bit of both, age itself, other medical conditions and some medications. Even having a large baby in the olden days of nine pounds or above was maybe early evidence of an emerging diabetes issue. Looking across the globe, the urbanisation of many countries, good examples of course again being China and India, may mean that the active lifestyles, dietary regimes that you've been following for years and years and years down the line may suddenly change into a less physically active regime, even more readily accessible food, more calories leading to obesity, progressive lack of fitness and so on and so on. This may happen quickly too. Back in the surgery, GPs often hear tales of shock, anger, surprise, disappointment and concern arising from a set of routine tests that suddenly, bing, pop up, oh dear, got another diabetes case on our hands. I continue to quote the number four as a milestone number. Why so? Well, I've told you this before, but just for the record, well, a teaspoon of sugar Here's, I recall, 4.18 grams. Round it down for simplicity to four. So, here we go again. Check out the food labels. European rules state we have to have those ingredients printed on the table of a certain font size. Oh, yes, it's navel-gazing. It certainly is. In ingredient breakdown too. Protein, fat, carbohydrates, which sugars are. So, note the sugar bit. Yes, per item. 
per size, per number of cakes, sweets, biscuits, per portion, per 100 grams, 100 mils. It's all there. Meaningless unless you divide the said figure for sugar by four. Oh, yes. Oh, my golly. Then, have I really got that much sugar? Four. For example, I grabbed some supermarket wine gums the other day. Oh, yes, very nice they were, too. Then I looked at the label. Hmm, 10.9 grams of sugar per four gums. Ooh, that's nearly three teaspoons for four wine gums. That's a shocker. Ouch. Exercise, well, how much is enough? Well, let's use a breathless test. Exercising enough, hard enough, assuming it's uh, safe to do so. Uh, You can speak, but can't sing. A useful guide for moderate exertion. And at 150 or more minutes per week of this moderate exertion, or 75 minutes or more of active exercise, that's active enough to allow you to speak actually very few words at all out of your beak, (laughs) because you're so breathless. (laughs) And that's supposed to be for four to five days a week, or ideally most days. Sounds a lot. It isn't really, you know. <laughs> but it doesn't just happen often enough in so many instances. Remember our school days? Look, there was a few kids in every class who were rubbish at games. They just didn't like it for several reasons. They had asthma, they were physically unwell, they had dyspraxic, they were clumsy, or numerous other reasons. But most could enjoy some sort of playtime, some sports, physical activity. What are you doing these days in your adult lives? A lot of us aren't doing it, sometimes very little, and that's, and that's a shame. That's a health hazard or risk factor in itself, not just for diabetes, but a whole host of other disorders. Now, none of this is unachievable, however. It may take some effort to sort of alter your tra- to travel a little bit, particularly if you're living with a family or a group setting wherein others may play a key role in either, well, facilitating or more likely sometimes hindering your progress. But as the old Chinese saying goes, a journey of a thousand miles does begin with that first step. So until next week, let's try the first step. Cheerio.